Hey everyone, welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. The guest this week is Miss Fiona Watt. Miss Watt originally trained with the Motley Theater Design Course in London. She is a freelance sonographer who enjoys exploring the relationship between existing architecture and the performance space, unlocking the hidden dynamics within traditional and non-traditional theater spaces to find the strongest points of exchange between performer and audience. In June 2011, Fiona was one of six international artists commissioned to lead Six Acts, a site-specific interaction with the City of Prague for Cinefest at the Prague Quadrennial of Performance Design in Space. And in 2013, she co-curated the design-led performance program for World Stage Design in Cardiff. In June 2015, she returned to the Quadrennial as curator for The View From Here, a new collaborative project between the Association of Courses in Theatre Design and the Society of British Theatre Designers. Fiona is Honorary Secretary of the Society of British Theatre Designers and UK Performance Design Commissioner for OISTET, the International Association of Sonographers, Theatre Architects, and Technicians. She is currently involved in planning for the UK submission to the next quadrennial, which will take place in June 2019. Be sure to check out these various websites the Society of British Theatre Designers at theaterdesign.org.uk, her own professional website at fionawatt.com, and, of course, Staging Places, stagingplaces.co.uk. Enjoy the show. And we are... We are we are live, and I'd like to say first of all, happy New Year and welcome to Miss Fiona Watt, who is calling me from her organized chaos of her of her design studio in in England. And uh, I was wondering uh, if you could just introduce yourself and uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. First of all, happy New Year from my organized chaos. Um, I'm Fiona Watt. I run the Honorary Society. I run the Society of British Theatre Designers uh, here in the UK. Uh, I have a really long title of honorary secretary, um, but that kind of works quite well because I do admin in an honorary capacity alongside all of the projects that I try and vision and make happen for designers in the UK. Excellent, excellent. Um, my first question to you is. Uh, I, I looked you up, like like all things, we do a Google search, and I saw that you you have your own uh, your own uh, site, and it says that you're a, you're actually a, a trained sonographer. Yes, that's right. Um, can you tell me something about uh, your history with with design, and uh, you know what uh, what brought you to it? Um, yes, I a trained sonographer, and I use that term. Uh, rather than theatre designer or performance designer because my practice has taken me into a broader range of fields uh, designing purely for buildings, uh, theatre buildings, but my background, my design background is predominantly in new writing um, and I've always just been very thrilled at being the first designer ever to interpret a new script. Um, and that's always been a, a driver for me. There are other ways of working that I've enjoyed and other disciplines of uh, working that I've enjoyed, uh, Shakespeare, opera, new music theatre, etc. But I continually get back, drawn back to new writing. And uh, so the, this project you just mentioned, 
this first project uh, that, that you were the part of. What was that project? In terms of designing? Yeah, you just said you were the first uh, uh, person to uh, have this. I just mean that as a, as a designer, what I enjoy is working with brand new scripts. So um, I, when I'm commissioned to design a piece of new writing, I'm usually the first designer that has looked at it. So as opposed to a Shakespeare or an opera uh, or a classic play where um, it's it's known territory, if you like, you can Google it, you can Wikipedia it, etc. Uh, when it's a new piece of writing, it's been nurtured through a literary department in a theatre quite often and it might have had some workshops and rehearsals with actors. But on the whole, certainly in the UK, a designer won't have been present in that process. And therefore, as a designer who loves, really loves language, um, to be the thrill of actually opening a script for the first time, knowing that you're the first person who's going to bring that to the stage in terms of design is the thing that excites me. So when you uh, get these the, the, the scripts for the first time, what do you uh, do you have? Uh, a few steps or process that you that you go through ev for every script or is it just you read it first and you just see what comes to you um i have a ritual of reading uh and reading it for the first time which is i have a particular chair in my studio that i sit in um i turn everything off by way of uh extra sound like radio or music or whatever uh i generally have a particular shape of sketchbook that I like to work in and I kind of draw and scribe all of my first impressions as I read it through for that first time so it might be to do with really drawing keywords that mean something to me uh, it's it's often very free drawing I usually draw with a uh, with a pen or a biro so that there's no danger of a uh, a lead breaking on a pencil or anything like that, that my line can flow fairly freely. Um, and much further on in the process, when I look back at those early drawings, they are often the absolute genesis of the design that makes it to the stage. So um, it's a very important process for me. It's my first and most immediate response. Was this uh, was this process inspired by uh, a friend, a teacher, or is it just something that kind of evolved naturally? Um, I trained on a course called the Motley Theatre Design course, which is a postgraduate course. And we were very much encouraged as part of our uh, teaching and learning process to storyboard. Um, and I... I would say that version in my sketchbook is the very first very rough version of a storyboard but it gives me the rhythm of the piece and my complete sense of what it is in the piece that engages me and it kind of comes back to that term of sonographer because that's also about thinking about mood and light and sound even though I'm never going to design those things um it's a process whereby I think what those things may do um, that I can't or don't want to because I'm quite a minimal and sculptural designer. 
Um, so it's always thinking about how those things interweave and that storyboarding process is really helpful uh, in doing that. I uh, I recently had to, to be part of a course uh, here in, uh, in Trinidad, uh, which was a uh, intro- introduction to design course. And uh, each of the the design elements got broken down. And one of the, the things that I, I, I'm, I'm learning and I learned from my, my late friend, uh, Edwin, uh, was the process of, of storyboarding, of laying out your ideas. And uh, hopefully in that same way, it kind of helps crystallize, you know, a, a, an entryway into the, into, the, into the work. Do you find that uh, you keep your storyboards and, and um, use them as reference? Over time, um, <clears throat> yes, I use them as reference a lot in each piece that I do. The first, um, unless it's a director I've worked with a lot, I don't show them because it's quite messy and quite um, free. And sometimes, if it's somebody you don't know, that can be that can give an impression of that might worry them. I guess because it is, it's very free. It's not about organizing it in that very first instance but one of the things that we were taught and that I remain true to um, is that that first reading of a piece and that first notating of a storyboard should primarily be about what's needed on stage to tell the story um, it's it's about those key elements that will allow the piece to move fluidly and freely so um that's a very useful discipline i think um and certainly when i work with students it's about saying look out for the direction which might say he sits or she enters or those kinds of expressions so then your question to yourself is well what do they sit on at the moment in a first storyboard you just need to draw them sitting if they're coming in, if they're entering, you just need to draw them entering. But on the next version of things, you're starting to think about what exactly is it that they're sitting on? Where exactly are they entering from? And it's a means of building up gradually those layers that will um, that will allow you to make a design that gives as much opportunity for the directors and director and actors to play as possible. So though they may not end up working with it in exactly the way that you've had in your head, which uh, is to be encouraged, you know that you've created something that is as fluid as it possibly can be for um, opening up the piece to be worked on by directors, actors, lighting designers, etc. Do you find uh, students today, with the ones that you have the opportunity to interact with, do you find, because I, I know for myself with, with some of the students, they get to be a little too literal. They get to be a little bit, they, they, they hone in on, on certain phrases or things like that and they say, oh, this is what needs to be in the play. Oh, this is what needs to be here. Do you find that we're, we're too, that we get, we jump too headlong into something and not just read it just for the sense of just diving into it and just being enjoying it? Um, I think it's a mixture of things because I think for young people now there are so many stimuli going on at once and their vocabulary is much more integrated than perhaps mine was between 
sound and video and film. They've all made films on their phones, for example. Uh, you take photos all of the time. Um, so my process is very much more um, about getting them to respond in a variety of ways before we get too tied down to the the function of what we're designing. It's very important to tune in to that personal response to the piece, which is why my sitting in my chair with my sketchbook with nothing else going on is really important to me. But for somebody just starting out, that can be quite an intimidating process. It's also quite a long process and Sometimes there's an impatience to to kind of get on with it uh, because you can read stage directions, etc. But we are artists and we do need to make our own connection and our own response. So I do a whole series of um, exercises that can involve movement, running around, lying down, scrunching up bits of paper, measuring one another, all sorts of things to... Um, to gradually make the world of the piece tangible through instinctive responses in the first instance and then developing those responses and that analysis of the text into research rather than starting with the literal research because you just drown and lose all sympathy. I, I find it... Uh, I. It must be interesting when you have the the class where, hey, everybody, today we're gonna go measure each other, or we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lay down and we're gonna do this. Those must be uh, enjoyable classes. Well, I think there's um one of the things that we don't really talk about when we talk talk about designing is is maths and geometry and, and those kind of things. And for lots of people, for a lot of creative people. Um, reading uh, and reading aloud can be very intimidating. If you're dyslexic, for example, that's quite an intimidating situation to be in, in a room full of um, people you might not necessarily know very well yet. So given that we, that what we make is a, is essentially a space through which the human body will move um, and that we need to get to grips with scale in order to start making that a reality in the terms of our profession. Um, the first and easiest thing to do is, is take an immediate point of reference, which is yourself. So if you can measure yourself and then find that on a 1 to 25 scale ruler and then be shown how to model yourself at scale, you've instantly made that translation into the world that you're going to operate in in quite a fun uh, way and memorable way um, and it takes the intimidation out of working out the maths and makes it much more kind of straightforward I think. I agree I think I think one of the one of the challenges that we have is um, people are, are fearful of the unknown and if we can make something say something as you say like scale if we can make it approachable and a fun thing then the next time they have that having to go through that experience it's like oh yeah we did it like this and now i have an understand of the shape and the size and and okay this isn't i'm not it there there used to be a book called math without tears i'd like to hopefully <laughs> believe that we can create you know design without tears some days for 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 students who just kind of get started um, speaking of, of 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 things like that, uh, you said that uh, you are are 
part of the Society of British Theatre Designers. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about that and uh, your a little bit more about your role uh, with that? Yeah, sure. So Society of British Theatre Designers has been running for over 40 years now and it was founded um, by practitioners that you will know, like Pamela Howard and Ralph Coltai. And um, over that 40 year period, it's supported designers in various ways. Um, but at the moment, we're at a very interesting juncture. I've been doing this, carrying out this role for about four and a half years now. And uh, for the first time in 40 years, we were invited directly to the table to talk with the unions about our um, terms and conditions of employment. And uh, I don't know, I think it's fairly common to designers throughout the world that um, the understanding of the extent of work involved in bringing something, bringing a design to the stage and, and what that entails by way of material processes and time um, is not widely understood. So um, that's been very interesting and exciting to take that apart with the help of designers and uh, in the society who've shared their experiences of contracts and things with me um, for the first time really. So uh, we're in the middle of that process and running alongside that uh, we uh, organised the UK submission to the Prague Quadrennial which as you know is coming up in June 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have just opened the call for that, a digital call, and the project as a whole is called Staging Places. And we're just considering that whole process of what a staging place might be and inviting designers to contribute, not just their final outcomes, but their processes of arriving at their designs. And also, um, to just consider the the impact that that work has on um, community and place. We certainly in the UK we are changing, I think, and transforming from a purely literary based tradition of theatre into something much wider, whereby um, what we produce becomes very much at the heart of festivals, outdoor festivals. Festivals, um, heritage sites, museums, uh, all visual forms of storytelling that we really want to celebrate. So I feel very lucky that I'm um, I'm running the association at this point in time when those two sides of what we do are kind of converging together. And through the exhibits that we make, we can actually start. to sit further uh, and we take up residency in the Victorian Albert Museum in London for six months um, and alongside that we're running a, a series of regional activities headed up by uh, designers taking the leaders regional champions so that we've got something going on throughout the country um, which uh, has been my ambition since I started uh, in this role. So it's just incredibly exciting to see it happening and have so many designers involved in making it happen. 
My, oh my, it, it is quite the, quite the list <laughs> of things you've got going on. I'm amazed that you, that there aren't like two or three of you having to, to, to oversee all this. Um, but one of the things I, I, I wanted to get back to is one of the first things that you said, um, and it's two of the stories that I've been following uh, via the, the online Facebook group and, and other places, was the credit for designers. Um, that there was some issue with uh, mm-hmm. lighting designers, scenic designers, designers having having issue about getting actual credit, and then there was a, a recent post about, as you said, the the pay and working conditions. Um, I know that as a lot has changed in in the world uh, in terms of the appreciation for the arts, uh, that there is this big push to. I don't know. I don't know what's the best way. I, I guess what I'm coming at is um, I saw in Brazil that they closed the Ministry of Culture. Uh, uh, there was a post by Abby Cohen talking about that and that how the the first thing that, that goes when people are trying to, to cut money or cut or consolidate is the arts and things like that. Is, is this a, is this an issue as well with in the UK? But they're just doing it. It's just it's just through this other means or am I, am I completely in the, in the wrong direction here? Um, I think it really is an issue in the UK. So our, our ministries have already merged. So um, we come under the ministry of culture, media and sport. So the, all of those ministries are rolled in together. They have separate heads, but they're all rolled into one ministry. As far as I understand it, there are a number of, of local authorities in the UK who have already cut their arts budget to zero um, because as you say it's one of the first things to go. Um, our education system is also changing whereby uh, arts and humanities subjects are not seen as essential um, to a young person's development so uh, those subjects are losing their emphasis um, and obviously, if that happens in school, then that has also has an impact on those subjects in university, because if as a young person, you don't know that you can study that subject further from school, um, then the chances of you going to university to do it are, are even slimmer. Um, I think what's uh, so that it's this doesn't appear entirely depressing, I think part of the um, Part of the point of doing staging places is to highlight the fact that what we do as designers is no longer confined to buildings um, and making theatre within buildings um, or within existing established theatres. We know that it's made in found spaces. We know that it's made in streets. We know that um, there's a really interesting question that we're looking at at the moment which is what defines a realized piece of work in terms of theatre because it used to be that that was about an audience who paid for a ticket but now we have Eventbrite now we have uh, outdoor festivals where in communities certainly like the community that my studio is based in where if you didn't put on a free festival uh, very few people would be able to afford to come if they had to pay for a ticket Um, So the breadth of what we do needs kind of communicating out much more, 
um, I think, which in its turn has an effect on how our terms and conditions of working are viewed. We are still governed by agreements that are very much based within theatre buildings and the core of those agreements is strong. But uh, issues like crediting of design um, are ongoing and are something that we're really is at the heart of our campaign. Our campaign's called the value of design and of course that's about money in some senses because uh, you know fees are too low but in almost as equally it's about design being valued and credited so we have an enormous issue with designers photographs of designers work appearing in the press taken by brilliant but the designer is not credited at all um, in those articles on Facebook, in on YouTube, wherever that work might appear. Um, the design might even be talked about in uh, in the trailer, but the designer's name doesn't appear at the end of the piece. Um, and that's a huge that's a huge issue and one that you would think would be very easily solved because it's often three words that would make a difference. Um, but we've got quite a battle on our hands to try and change that culture. It is it is kind of confusing to the mind when you talk about when you say it's just three words. It's just it's just a, a, just a, a name with with a title and designed by this is. Yeah. And, and that and that blows my mind uh, about how you know, silly, at least to me, uh, silly that may, may seem to argue over something that seems very, very small. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily understand the rationale. I don't understand why that is. I mean, it's, I don't know. That, that, I agree. I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make too much sense to me. The other, the other thing that I um, was, uh, was interested in, and I asked um, um, Chris Van Hooten, uh, who I spoke to recently about the saving stage lighting uh, uh, movement that's been going on for quite some time, and he explained a little bit more about some of the 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 nuances of it. Um, I know that uh, SBTD has has done some some promotion of of that event as well. Could you tell me something about where 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 it stands now? Um, I can't tell you a great deal of detail about where it's stands now i know that it has moved further on but i think the thing that i would want to share really is uh that we as associations for lighting sound design and directing have all come together to start talking to one another much more and that has uh really helped us to get to the point that we've got to so far we're understanding one another's needs much better um we're understanding how we lobby alongside one another in terms of the unions and the agreements and again coming back to staging places the call in the past might have been open to only set and or predominantly set and costume designers but um, again I was really keen to welcome um, the other disciplines uh, to the call um, and just going back to the the process of crediting I think where that has where the big difference has come and where the advantage of us working together comes is that 
we don't fully understand, I don't think, as yet, the value of the content that we now produce because we are producing content through which shows are sold. Um, we are producing the marketing material and the visual material that goes into YouTube trailers and Facebook posts and all of those things. And um, we're in a very visual culture and, and, and visual storytelling sells. Um, so understanding that if that wasn't there, there wouldn't be quite so much to um, promote and sell is kind of important for uh, other members of, of our profession and our field to realise and the opportunity to show just how integral all of those aspects of design are is very important. So when there is something like safe stage lighting um, coming along, we we do our best to get our members to promote it alongside um, the Association of Lighting Designers. It's uh, I wanted to I, I, I'm looking at the, the Staging Places uh, uh, website here. And uh, I wanted to read this, and and so that um, the audience knows kind of, kind of the framework. And it says here, we build the content. We tell the stories that sell the tickets. We make the memories. We are the storytellers now. Staging Places aims to celebrate the diversity of performance, design, and making practices today to inspire young people to invent it for the future and to acknowledge its impact on a wider sense of place and community. By making this national call digital rather than physical, our aim is to use our resources to create a dynamic contemporary platform that will capture an inclusive snapshot of current practice. Thank you. <laughs> of, co of course, I, uh, I, if, the, if there is one thing that um, has become uh important to me and and something that i i, I hopefully am, am learning along the way is that there comes a point where things can't necessarily promote themselves you need people to talk about it you need people to to say hey did you see this or here i want you to read this it needs to some people it just needs to be put in front of them um and that's why i part of the reason why i do this this podcast but also because you know, I want to talk to people. I want to. I want to know a grander scale of the of the of the the, the community that and the as I as I sometimes refer to it as the tribe that I'm part of, which is this design and performance and art and all these wonderful things. And I think now that we have the YouTubes and the Skypes and the and the and the Facebooks and the Snapchats and the whatevers that are out there, that we should be a little bit more integrated or at least uh, knowledgeable of of what's kind of going on we we, we may not know everything obviously because there's there's just too much stuff to that's being produced but we should at least be able to make the effort to to communicate and hopefully that communication leads to people being inspired to create to um to publicize to to whatever it may be uh you talked about uh being outside of the the theater space and i i think it was at the oystat 50 event or it or somewhere, but I remember uh, Jean-Guy Lacotte saying um, something about uh, the only thing you really need is a space. Yeah, and I think that's very true. And I think um, I think what's what's exciting now is what that what that space is because um, it doesn't necessarily need to be physical. Um, 
I think it ultimately comes back to theatre and performance ultimately come back to a physical experience um, and a communal experience. But the possibility of uh, of using film within theatre, of using AR, VR, all of those things um, is exciting, and it's and we shouldn't uh, restrict what's possible. Um, we've part of our part of our call and part of the design of our call is to uh, think about future utopias with our students and the emerging practitioners uh, for PQ um, and to allow space within our exhibit at the V&A for designers who are experimenting with future facing practices to be able to show uh, their work as well because we all understand those the range of those possibilities to varying degrees within our discipline and I would say our bubble of our design community but um, I think we sometimes forget that for a wider public certainly in that in the UK theatre might just mean West End shows or pantomimes all of which are highly crafted um, pieces of theatre but they may not necessarily even consider that the carnival that they've been to or the circus that they've watched has also been designed, is also a performance, is also something that somebody might train in executing visually. So um, I think I've just rambled. I can't remember what your <laughs> question was. <laughs> um, That's okay. But we are everywhere, you know, we're, we're a kind of virus, I guess. Um, I think I was just this whole process is kind of galvanized by going to a conference which was about theatre and placemaking and everybody that spoke was um was a theatre architect or somebody from a local authority who'd commissioned building a theatre and almost every image that was shown was of the community engaging with the place and the theatre in some way and they were very visual extraordinary images but nobody who helped create those images who was responsible for that kind of translation if you like of that complex relationship between the theatre and the local authority was present or spoke and I was just really curious who they thought it was made those projects with flags and costumes and settings and street parades and all of those kind of things because it certainly didn't come about through abracadabra um even though there are a lot of people who think well don't you just open a box and pull some <laughs> things out and make it happen it's yeah, like don't, no have, have a 19th century crinoline in your studio that we could use <laughs> oh it is and it's funny as it's uh, there, there are times where I, I, I know for myself where I've been like, am I the only person that goes through this problem? And it turns out it's not true. This problem happens all over the place. It's, it's people who, it's not that they don't appreciate it's, and it's not that they don't necessarily uh, are, are unwilling to understand. I just think that their focus is on something else. You know, it's let us build, let, yeah, let's build fantastic buildings and, and things like that. But those fantastic buildings don't mean anything unless they have some life that's, that's brought into them. It's not the building itself doesn't create the life. It's the things that 
people bring into that building or bring into that space that create the experience and create the life and create the memory, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think in the in the UK, we're also um, for our design uh, students and early career practitioners and early career now, I would define as up to 10 years out of um, uh, of studying, uh, whereby our theatre buildings seem from the outside more and more fortress-like, whereas in the past there may have been opportunities for a resident assistant designer or a resident designer even, uh, those things don't exist. So the process of designing something exists in studios, it exists outside buildings, um, where even other departments rarely pass it in the way that they would when a resident design post was there. Mm -hmm. And and so that um, that process of, of being within a building and understanding how a building operates and how people move through a building, not just audiences, but how a whole um, theatre works its way through a year uh, has almost disappeared as an opportunity for designers coming out of education um, and it was barely an opportunity that was there when when I was starting out and so part of our staging places project is also to have those conversations about what that associate or assistant post might mean now and um, it means in a way it's a more needed role because the designed world, if you like, doesn't only exist within the theatre building. The theatre building might often also be responsible for projects and programmes that reach right out into the city or the neighbourhood beyond. Um, and the range of projects is very different. The the kind of portfolio of work is very different. And so there's a, there's a, a conversation that we really hope to encourage there about how how you make opportunities more visible and what they are um, in order to, to build a career really. Is the the so this project, the staging places, is going to follow into the, the Prague Quadrennial then? Uh, so we we start with the open digital call which has gone live now. Um, and that for the first time um, that all of the projects that are submitted to that call will be represented in in digital form um, in our PQ exhibit and our exhibition at the V&A. So we will, uh, everybody who puts a piece of work in and they can put up to three pieces of work in but they will be represented digitally within that exhibit um, alongside that, we will select physical exhibits in the traditional sense. So we will take 12, around 12 exhibits to Prague um, and about 30 exhibits, 30 to 40 exhibits um, in the V&A. Um, but it's also by a whole programme of activity around the country because it's important to, that this is, this is a wonderful celebration, but it's not an end point to me it's a middle point it's a middle point by which we can engage a huge number of people in what we do 
and then the the sort of important work is what we then do with developing that knowledge and understanding of what design for performance is and whether we can utilize it to reshape um thinking about performance design um in the uk and thinking about what opportunities we make for young people coming through how uh, how long is the the open call for the for the project until is it until end of january is it till february when, when uh, is it fourth of february excellent excellent and <laughs> and and the staging places website will have obviously I'm, I'm looking again it has a submission form it has who to uh, the the brief uh is there any specific details that um you'd like to if if people might be confused or something that uh, uh you'd like to to tell people now before they submit or if they're curious about submitting um i think the the key thing i would like to say is that the call is open to performance designers based in the uk so our title is quite misleading um and our organization title is quite misleading uh and is something that we we may look to change in the future but we have many 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 international artists who've made extraordinary contributions to how design has been uh shaped and realized in the uk not not least ralph coltai who is sadly passed away um recently but had an enormous influence on profoundly changing what performance design is and could be in the uk um and we have many uh uh, design educators who are living and working in the UK from elsewhere in the world. We have many early career designers who have trained here in the UK from elsewhere in the world who are trying to figure out our entirely untransparent uh, way of building a career in the UK. So that's the thing that I'd want to say most, that it's open to practitioners based in the UK and that you should apply even if you look at it and go i'm not sure whether my work fits get in touch apply um you're very welcome to apply you're very welcome to ask us whatever questions you need to um if you're in any doubt about applying so apply 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 <laughs> submit Submit, submit, submit. <laughs> there you go. So um, uh, before uh, before we, we, we wrap this up, um, I would like to know uh, what do you have? What 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 projects or, or things outside of of not only the staging places, but what are what what is something that you personally are, are working on and would like to share with uh, with folks? Um, I think in many ways this has become all-consuming and that's not because it's I, I, I am martyred to it in any way um, my own work has changed and developed through attending Prague for the first time in 2007 um, for then being a project leader in 2011 and 2015 and I think for me um, being a and being a designer is also being a curator, is also being a visual artist, is also being a writer, is combining all of those things. And so um, 
I have a personal project that's itching away at the back of my head that I keep going, right, okay, you need to carve out a little bit of time for this here and there. Um, but at the moment, I am just enjoying the whole process of setting this project up and discovering it and seeing what happens. And my own practice has been very much led into placemaking and uh, working with communities and using my design process to do that. So um, I'm excited to see what happens from that. And then maybe I'll go to a quiet desert island somewhere or come to <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago and, and uh, refocus on my own uh, personal projects from there. That sounds like an excellent plan. Uh, I know that uh, I want to give uh, some 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 uh, recognition to the the SBTD, also known as the Society of British Theatre Designers. They can be found on Facebook. They can be found uh, on regular online. Um, I think they have uh, an Instagram account. They're, they're everywhere. The <laughs> the the next uh, thing that we've been talking about, and this will be there'll be a link in the in the description of the show. For staging places, that's stagingplaces.co.uk. Um, again, as Miss Watts said, submit, submit, submit. You never know until until you do. Uh, then there's obviously um, PQ coming up, which I look forward to, to to seeing you and everyone else that I've had the opportunity to to meet along the way there. Um, I uh, I I'm. It's going to be a, an interesting time for us uh, in Trinidad. We've had some some challenges lately, but I uh, look we're going to get through it. And I I am grateful. I'm thankful that you carved out this time for me. Um, I'm glad to be able to to you know do this uh, and 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 uh, make this happen. But I do have one one really teeny tiny little itty bitty question left, and that and that question is. Behind you is a big blue dog. What is that big blue dog? <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you could see see that or not. Um, I just liked him. He's blue and he smiles, so he's my studio guard dog. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, again, I, I wish you a, a happy new year. Um, I know that uh, we, we've all got a lot going on, so I, uh, I want to say, again, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you many times over. And uh, and I look forward to having another conversation with you uh, further down the road and just to kind of see what what's come of Staging Places, what's come of the, the PQ and, and, and in the future. That That's fantastic. And thank you so much for asking me. And just whoever happens to listen to this, I, I hope it makes sense if you're going to Prague um, come and say hello to us if you would like to treat Blue Pages which is the Society of British Theatre Designers Journal um, as a country in the place that we're in right now um, not even going to say that awful word um, but the more that we can see and share international practice the better for us so one way or another come and say hello excellent excellent all right you have a great day. You too. Thanks very much. Thank you.
Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener-supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett 24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.